0: Hi everyone, uh, welcome to Eli, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship and today we have with us uh, Mr. Nagin Komu, uh, who is the founder of Digitap.ai, uh, which provides high tech advanced uh, AI and ML solutions to new age internet driven startups and businesses. Uh, hi Nagin, welcome to Eli.
1: Hi Pririndan, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, I would uh, request you to introduce yourself to our audience.
1: Sure. Thanks. Um, thanks for that. So, um, as uh, you mentioned, my name is Nagin Um I've uh, been born, brought up uh, in uh, a small city called Vijaywada in Andhra Pradesh. Right. So, I've uh, done my schooling over there, um, and I studied there until my uh, plus two, uh, which we usually call it as a uh, twelfth. Right. Yeah. Um, post my uh, schooling over there, uh, I. Uh, went to do my engineering in uh, REC, which is now the National Institute of Technology uh, mm. in uh, Karnataka, which is in Surat. Okay. Uh, it's a long way from home. Um, actually, on the opposite sides of uh, of the of India, right? Uh, mm. So um, then did they, did engineering, did computer science there for about four years. Uh, then got a job in Bangalore uh, with a company called Lucent. Mm-hmm. which then became Alpha and Lucent and then was taken over by Nokia. Uh, so there I I worked there for about five years as a software engineer, uh, predominantly working in the telecom sector. Okay. So Lucent was, as a company, was known for uh, building these uh, telecom networks. Um, and initially I was working in the 3G, developing 3G networks, and then eventually was also developing 4G networks. And this was way back in, 2007 2008 yeah. um, so I worked there from 2004 to 9, 2009 and uh, then uh, you know like everyone else decided to do my MBA okay. um, so I did my MBA in 2009 graduated okay. in 2011 and I did it in IIM Ahmedabad um, the two-year course mm. um, post that um, I mean when I was doing my MBA um, I had the I had the exposure of uh, various uh, functionalities within an organization. Like So we studied a lot about uh, marketing, finance, strategy, general management, HR. Um, And uh, what I strongly believed during those two years was that I was more of a generalist rather than a specialist, right? So which uh, then uh, made me to pursue a career in consulting. And consulting is a career where you get to actually see all different functionalities of an organization and you also get to advise people on how to run their own business across these various functions right Mm -hmm. so one day you might be working on uh, working on on a financial project um, and the second day you might be working on a marketing Uh, Mm -hmm. one day you might be working on a cost reduction project versus another day you might be working with the business growth people on revenue enhancement projects Mm. So that sort of uh, that, that sort of exposure that I might be getting um, into the actual running of a business was something that really fascinated me, and I pursued uh, uh, my career in consulting post that. So I did. I worked with uh, uh, Ernst and Yen in their management consulting division for about six years. Um, hmm. So, uh, and then I quit the company when I was a manager uh, over there. So, joined as a consultant and a senior consultant and then as a manager. Okay. During that particular scene, uh, again, uh, owing to my telecom background in uh, Alcatel, Lucent, um, I was predominantly in working in the TMT, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is uh, telecom, media, and technology work. Um, And uh, I was predominantly working with all CXO-level executives in the telecom industry, um, advising them um, on uh, revenue growth, um, cost reduction, uh, product uh, enhancements or product growth and and various aspects of uh, things. And I had also worked not only with uh, telecom companies in India, but I had stints in uh, US, Southeast Asia, uh, Asia Pacific, like Australia, New Zealand, uh, mm-hmm. and Middle East as well. Right? Okay. Um, so, that is, this was in 2017, when I mean, for six years of my work experience in consulting, when um, I decided to become an entrepreneur and took the plunge uh, into okay. entrepreneurship. Right? Um, well, and the major. Just,
0: entre- just uh, I would like to stop you here. Can you tell us why entrepreneurship happened? What triggered uh, that transition?
1: Right, so uh, uh, it, it's, it's actually very, really, uh, I mean, it's a strange uh, thing to happen, right? Because uh, up until about 2015, um, I, um, I predominantly had an intuition that, you know, I'm not fit for entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. See, um, um, uh, in order to be successful as an entrepreneur, right? I mean, you need to have two things. One is a clear vision and dream to pursue that vision. And the second thing is perseverance. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is, those are the two, two tenants that I never thought I, uh, or at least the vision part and the dream to chase that vision uh, um, is something that I really had. That's fine. But I never thought that I had the perseverance to go after that goal uh, with the patience that is needed uh, to be a successful entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, before jumping into something like an entrepreneurship, I always thought that you, know, you need to know yourself better. Right? Um, because if, if you are not fit for entrepreneurship, then you might be doing something that you don't like, and you are also not getting anything out of it. Mm. Right? Which is a double whammy uh, uh, yeah. scenario. But- uh, most people have jobs. Uh, they keep doing those jobs. That they might not like, but at least they are getting something back from it uh, to keep them going. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be monetary, it could be uh, some sort of a recognition or a fame, uh, something of that nature. Right? Uh, but entrepreneurship is something that you really need to be excited about and think about. Um, it could be any idea. Right? It, it really doesn't matter how how much how big the idea is. Uh, you need to believe in that particular idea. Right? Uh, Because you would be sacrificing a lot. And if you don't, uh, then your day-to-day business becomes healthy.
2: Mm. Um,
1: So I never thought I, as a personality, I was fit for entrepreneurship or I had that perseverance to be an entrepreneur. However, all that changed when, um, you know, I met my friend from Ayanandabad, like nearly after five years. And um, out of some chance, uh, we were having certain conversations, and uh, we out of those conversations, an idea was born wherein I had the opportunity to combine uh, two of the passionate things in my life uh, to start a, to start an idea and then uh, start a company around that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I am extremely passionate about technology um, as you could see throughout my career, right? So I have worked for five years as a computer engineer, at a software developer. And even in those six years, I was predominantly working with telecom and IT companies, um, mm-hmm. engaging with those firms, um, right? So, and and the second passion I have is sports. Um, so, I follow a lot of sports. Um, yeah. So, I'm an ardent supporter uh, of Manchester United, um, Roger Federer in tennis, Ferrari in Formula One, and of course, um, like every other Indian, I'm a huge fan of Indian cricket
0: team. Right.
1: Um, So when we were having those conversations, so uh, we had the, uh, we had an idea of doing something combining both, right, which is technology and sports where, and which is when uh, out of that strong urge to do something to follow my passion is Mm. where I started the entrepreneurial journey, right? Uh, Because as I mentioned, uh, unless and until you are kicked about uh, the idea, it's very difficult for for anyone uh, who's having a luxurious job um, as a consultant in Dubai, um traveling around the world uh, uh, to quit that and mm-hmm. then start something where uh, you know I we weren't having even a single penny of salary for a couple of years when we were doing right. that, right? So you can imagine the hardships that we were into. But um, those were I could I could always say that those were the best years of my life. Right, in terms of the fun that we had uh, building the product and uh, whatever success we could have with that particular product, right? I mean, sharing that success with uh, people that uh, that are my friends, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's the main reason why I got into entrepreneurship. Um, so as I told you, so we were building, uh, so as part of my first venture, we were building a platform uh, where we were trying to enhance the experience, online experience of a sportsman.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. so uh, like we were planning to combine something like a Facebook and a Sports Kida or ESPN and a Crickbus and a Dream11 into one particular platform
2: okay.
1: uh, but personalize that particular experience of a fan based on what he prefers
2: mm-hmm. so
1: as yeah. a fan right so people would prefer different things I as a fan would prefer a lot, lot more uh, uh, written analytical based written articles
2: Right. Okay. Uh,
1: some other person as a fan might prefer engaging with others on social media. Mm. Some fans might prefer just watching videos uh, on in a loop repeatedly again. Right? Right. Um, some people are there just for the kick of um, um, winning and losing along with the team, right? mm. uh, which is why they play the fantasy game. Right? Okay. Um, so we wanted to provide all these experiences on one platform. But personalize that experience based on what, fa- what kind of a fan he is, right? okay. um, which, which is where we were using AIML technologies to understand the fan better based on what historically what he has been doing on the platform and then hmm. um, personalize that experience for him. Okay. And um, so we were actually doing uh, combining both, right? so tech hmm. and sports. Um, so we did that for a couple of years from 2017 to 2019. Um, hmm. It did not have the ramp up that we anticipated, um, okay. and uh, of course we were pre-revenue. So we raised the initial round of funding for that, but um, we ran out of money. And then uh, in 2019, I had to take a decision in terms of you know what should what should I do now? Okay. Which is when um, uh, so we built a strong team uh, on the yeah the tech side right so
2: okay.
1: uh, we were then exploring opportunities or use cases in the financial world uh, wherein we mm. can build something using the using the core skill sets of, of the team that we have mm. uh, which is when we founded digital and okay. uh, uh, where we where our core focus here is basically um, from a product point of view is to build we are a b2b firm right so we work with uh, clients in the BFSI space. So most of the clients of ours are NBFCs or or banks or fintechs. Okay. Um, So uh, the product that we sell them are uh, in two verticals. So one is we provide complete customer onboarding suite, uh, Hmm. which is a digital customer onboarding suite and Mm -hmm. using your KYC's or uh, video KYC's or OCR technologies. Okay. Uh, which extract information from mm-hmm. the images of a PAN cards or other cards being submitted,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: And then uh, doing certain fraud detection, identity detection uh, solutions to, to these firms. Right? Okay. And the second vertical that we have built is more on um, AIML sort of space, wherein um, we, whenever these clients are onboarding uh, individual customers, um, hmm. we look at a certain amount of data coming in from these customers uh, which are non-bureau data hmm. right? um, either based on data based on uh, their bank statements or um, yeah. their device uh, data yeah. like
0: uh, data the coming messages to uh, papers, coming to their uh, uh, mobile
1: messages correct then uh, their social media profiles uh, then data coming from their telecom networks data coming from their location Uh, where they are staying, right? So we aggregate information coming in from all these various data sources for these Mm -hmm. customers and then we provide a credit profile to these clients saying if this customer is having this much activity in his social media profiles and staying in this particular location and having this much salary based on our reading of the financial SMSs and bank statements, Mm. Uh the propensity for him to pay this much amount of loan, pay back this much amount of loan is say x, right? Or his credit score is okay. x, etc. Okay. So these are the solutions which are a little more complicated solutions, wherein we provide these scoring models uh, to our clients. Um, that is where we are now seeing a lot of traction coming in, especially in the post pandemic world.
0: Mm. Okay. So, one question around it, uh, like you mentioned, uh, 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 creating a credit profile out of uh, the different data points we have. So, uh, India is a very, um, I, I think uh, the recent growth in the fintech that happened, the reason behind it is uh, India is not well penetrated in terms of credit. So, there is a lot of credit hunger and uh, uh, you know, a lot of opportunity for fintech companies and uh, uh, right. Most of the people right now in the market, uh, most of the customers, they don't have a strong uh, credit uh, history, uh, so right. they, they don't have any credit history at all. So uh, oh, sure. can you tell us where where do you see the, this fintech industry or the overall BFSA industry going in next five years' time?
1: See, definitely... Um, uh... There is a lot of scope um, uh, for um, so I think if you look at the fintech industry in general, right? I think they have uh, provided or they have been focusing a lot on the top hundred million out of the one point three billion uh, uh, customer base that we have, right? Hmm. And this hundred million is predominantly in your metros or entire, at the max, entire Yeah. Um, now. Uh, it's easy to provide solutions to these people because you have a lot of data available about these people, right?
2: mm. But as you
1: rightly pointed out, um, there is a huge, uh, like close to, in my opinion, 400 to 500 million customer base that is sitting out there in tier three, tier four cities, yeah. uh, which is right for penetration, right? Exactly. Now, um, and you are absolutely right that most of these customers do not even have a credit history, right? Mm. Uh, just to elaborate on that, see, the credit history actually gets built up uh, when you take credit. Mm. right? Um, either it can be through a credit card or it can be through a loan, right? Uh, now, if you don't have any of those, um, uh, it becomes that much more difficult for uh, people or uh, uh, banks or NBSCs to know um, how to, uh, I mean, how to judge you in terms of um, how to rank you. Right. Mm. Uh, in terms of whether you will be able to repay the loans that they will give you. Mm. Now, so predominantly from a credit uh, uh, and underwriting point of view, most of the fintechs that are coming up right now and or who have been in the market for the last two to three years are focusing on that competition. Okay. which is predominantly providing credit to these segments where either they don't have a credit history or um, they had a credit history but based on very minimal data and their credit history became bad, right?
2: Okay. Um,
1: so, the, the benchmark for doing a credit uh, underwriting is the bureau scores, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But in our experience, what we have seen is that if you if you um, just provide credit based on the bureau score, right, you'll mm-hmm. be targeting customers only who are above 750 score, right? Exactly. And every bank, every NBSC is targeting the same set of customers. Absolutely. Where we enable uh, uh, these NBFCs and banks is basically, we show them a totally new customer segment altogether, which Mm. is below 730, right? And you will be surprised to know that in some cases, uh, people with scores of 630 to 680 uh, have better payment behaviors than people with scores between 680 to 730, Mm.
2: right?
1: Um, Sometimes they are even better than people beyond 750, Right. right? So, but, but how do they know that, you know, they can trust these customers between 630 to 680, right? I mean, if you just take a cutoff from based on a zero score, you'd never be serving these customers, right? Which is where we help them in terms of, you know, hey, uh, there could have been some problem in the past because of which his score was say 630. But right now, if you, in the last six months, if you look at the data, he has been a really good customer. And you can actually, uh, start with a small ticket loan for this customer, and then take it beyond that. Right. So, okay. in my opinion, the use of alternate data or uh, is going to be key in terms of, uh, you know, especially on the credit side of
2: things. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, and and we can now see that the NBFCs and the banks and the fintechs are actually growing more and more hungry for uh, data. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, See, the the other challenge that these guys will also have to address is that um, there is a difference in serving 500 million versus 100 million,
2: right?
1: You need to be five times faster. You need to be five times agile. You need to be five times more. uh, 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 The the processing times need to be that much more or less, right? Uh, Now, how do you process information that is five times more than uh, what you were doing traditionally? Right. You cannot have the same manual systems in place. You cannot have the same manual guy sitting there and then trying to see, okay, can I give him a loan or not? Right. right. Because the scale is five times more or, or in some cases yeah. ten times more. Right. You need to have automated systems in place, uh, mm-hmm. which is where I think the entire FinTech industry will move towards uh, is automation, alternate database underwriting. Yeah.
0: And uh, which is where uh you operate uh, as a uh, product company so you spoke about the uh, product and you also spoke about the uh, problem statement as well can you also tell us uh, a little bit on the business side of it how do you as a venture make money who pays you? Uh, what is the average uh, ticket size and also a little bit on how did you Penetrate this market. Uh, how did you, you know, go to market? What were the initials? Uh, set up customers. How did you find them?
1: So, uh, in terms of the business, uh, most of the solutions that we do provide, right, um, are uh, API-based solutions. Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, when I say API-based, so there is a uh, there is a one interaction that happens. Say, if you want to, if you want so. Uh, before before even that right so let me start by saying that our customers are uh, b2b customers mm-hmm. we work with uh, a lot of these fintech companies which mm-hmm. have the need for uh, these digital customer onboarding solutions and as well as alternate data yeah. underwriting solutions yeah. um, now each so we have a solution set up about close to 20 solutions okay right um, Ten solutions on customer onboarding and ten solutions on alternate data underwriting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right now, each of these solutions uh, we provide individually as a modular solution to the banks. Right.
2: Okay. So if the
1: banks or NBFCs are interested in taking, say, an OCR of PAN from us, mm-hmm. and the other solution could be uh, bank uh, statement analysis. Mm-hmm.
2: Right.
1: So uh, we've intentionally made it modular in nature because we see that uh, not all clients want to take uh, all the solutions from one particular place, mm-hmm. right?
2: um,
1: so we had to go down the path of being modular in nature okay we already had a lot of competition for these solutions when we entered into the market mm-hmm.
2: right
1: um, so uh, uh, and you could actually say that we might have been a a third or a fourth player in some of these solutions when we right. entered into the market. Right? Yeah. So it was imperative for us to, um, and and by the time we entered into the market, uh, the business models and everything had been already set by the mm. players that were already in the market. Right?
2: Right.
1: So uh, people were paying for, uh, uh, per customer, per solution. Right? Mm. So for example, if pre Engine wants to go to a bank and open a bank account, uh, if he's doing his pan card. So the OCR for PAN card for one particular customer is of this price.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it is uh, it is on a per customer per solution uh, basis, right? So uh, if I read the bank statement and analyze the bank statement of one customer, the charge is this, mm. right? And so on and so forth. So if if there are about hundred customers bank statements that we are reading for a client, then the revenue from that particular client for that solution will be 100 into whatever is the charge for reading of one particular bank. So that is pretty much the business model. Uh, And the the only tweaking that you could do in the business model or in the pricing here is that you could lower your prices. That's about it. So there isn't much of an innovation. Uh, The the only other innovation in the business model that you could think of is uh, you could offer these solutions as a package right hey um, why don't we provide you solutions of bank statement analyzer or a, or a, a financial data device data analyzer or, uh, a location-based analysis
2: mm-hmm. and for
1: all these three solutions we will then give you a combined score and you can underwrite the customer based on the particular score and per underwriting or per, even there the the volume, i mean the charge could be higher but it is still a charge based on per use
2: mm mm-hmm. okay right.
1: Now we being not like the first entrant into this particular market, especially on the digital onboarding solutions, Mm.
2: um,
1: we had to follow the uh, procedures and norms that are already laid out in the market. Okay. Uh, Initially, we thought that pricing could be a differentiator, and that's where we wanted to, uh, you know, offer the differentiation,
2: Mm -hmm. right?
1: Um, But we figured out that you know pricing doesn't matter. Um, Yeah. What matters is one your product has to be on par with whatever they are currently using or whatever they want to use, right? Mm. Uh, so from a quality and accuracy point of view, you will have to be on par, which we are already mm. over and above that. What we figured out is the gap that is there that we could have that we could exploit, and we did that is the support that these clients get from their existing members, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that is where we differentiate with ourselves. Now the support could be not just when you know there is a problem that is happening and how, how um, proactively the vendor is um, uh, addressing that particular problem. It could also be like if there are some customizations that this client needs, right? Now how uh, proactively is a vendor approaching the client and then making those customizations to make the Life of the end customer or the customer of the client better. Mm.
2: Right.
1: Uh, when I say clients, there are B2B customers, right? Like the banks and NBs. Yeah. So that through that particular support model which where we have been able to onboard some of the initial clients, um, and they are like big clients like Credit uh, B, Navi Technologies, and all those who so we have been able to uh, uh, mm. get on
0: board okay uh can you tell us what are the different challenges uh, that you have faced uh, along the way while building and growing this venture and uh, also tell us about the pivot that you did from your first venture to second venture uh so just tell us about it what happened what are the different transitions you saw uh, and how did you overcome it so
1: uh I, I, I'll I take up the second question first um, in yeah. terms of the pivot or the transition that you did, right? So I think I've touched upon this uh, in the previous, uh, I mean, sometime previously as well. Wherein, um, So we were using uh, AI ML technology to personalize the experience of a sports fan, right? Um, mm-hmm. In my previous venture. Now, that was a venture that depended on uh, the raising funds because Uh, we initially wanted to uh, gather some momentum in terms of uh, users coming onto the platform Mm. and then think about, uh, you know, how do we generate revenue from these users, right? Um, So, uh, and we started off with sports on that particular front, but uh, in order to get the user base, we had to spend, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. We had to spend on marketing, we had to spend on uh, certain events, campaigns, and all those for which we needed money, and not just from a tech and product point of view, we also needed a lot of money to generate the initial momentum on the user base as well. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, when we went uh, to the uh, market to raise funds, uh, what we realized is that, um, uh, and that's an unfortunate part of it, that it wasn't the idea that all these venture capitalists were after. Okay. Right? Um, it, I mean, to to. To be fair to them as well, uh, not many of them understood sports as an industry, mm. right? Uh, everybody understood fintech, everybody understood edtech, everybody understood health tech, right? Uh, to a certain extent, everybody—I un- mean, to a great extent—everybody understood e-commerce. Yeah. To a certain extent, they were also looking to invest in agri tech and 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 uh, areas around that. Yeah. Nobody understood sports. Right. Okay. Uh, so, uh, in fact, we when we went into the market, so we've gotten comments like, you know, um, how do you think you will make money in sports? It's a hobby. Hmm. It's not a business, right? Um, and even during that time, uh, I think the only company that was making rounds in the VC circles was Dreamliner.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And that was also purely into fantasy. Right? Exactly. Um, So uh, what we were trying to do uh, was, again, as I said, not to be another fantasy player, uh, right? Uh, Because there was a Dream11 already in the market. Mm -hmm. We wanted to differentiate ourselves. And the idea that we had was to personalize this experience. And I still believe in that idea. I still believe that there will be somebody in the market who would uh, come up with a platform that will exactly be the same as what we were trying to do. Maybe we were ahead of our time, but um, the main problem that we had was that uh, that that uh, the raising of funds became that much more difficult. Right? Okay. Um, although, uh, and it needed somebody who understood uh, uh, sports as an industry.
2: Mm.
1: Right. Uh, now we've learned two things from that. Right. Is one is uh, if you are pre-revenue and you want to work on an idea that is, you know, initially user engagement and then move to revenue. Right, then um, you are dependent on raising funds, right? Hmm. And you better be having an idea which the VC's understand, right? Right. Um. Or you, you will. I mean, if 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 you have an idea in the space of edtech, tech, fintech, healthtech, and all these areas, you would be uh, having funding done by uh, uh, by by an investor by meeting just 10 investors, right? Mm. One investor might get 10 investors. In our mm. case, we had to go meet 100, 150 investors, but even then we've been able to raise only a pre-series uh, sort of around, right?
2: Mm. Um,
1: so one thing was uh, as very clear in terms of when I was trying to pivot is that you know I wanted to focus on revenue, right? Okay. Um, and uh, when, you, when you want to focus on revenue first mm. uh, and uh, say profitability is that comes in later, but I wanted to focus predominantly on revenue, right? And when you mm-hmm. want to focus on revenue, B two B is a much better bet than B two C, right? And uh, so that's that's predominantly the reason why we wanted to pivot. And the second reason was uh, we had a team, as I mentioned, who were capable of building solutions using AI and ML technologies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to understand where where the use cases that we could exploit. Um, and and build on those use cases. Okay. Which is where we started with fintech, and then uh, started building solutions for customer onboarding using a lot of these uh, AIML technologies. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: that's predominantly the reason for transitioning. Uh, the two main reasons for transitioning from uh, Dribble, which was my sports venture, to digital. Right. Okay. Now. Coming back to your sec- first question, which is in terms yeah. of the challenges that we faced um, uh, during this particular venture, right? Um, I think I I don't think any entrepreneur would have faced the sort of challenges that we faced because I'll tell you, so we started this in 2019. And when I lay out the timelines, you will know the challenge, right? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: COVID uh, would sorry. be one so of them. Yes. So <laughs> when we started in 2019, we started building the solutions. We had an in-principle in agreement with one of our clients that you know we would be taking these solutions, provided they are ready and with the same level of accuracy. Mm. We've onboarded that particular client in the starting of 2020, and we started providing these solutions. Okay. And by the time we uh, made our solutions, you know, enterprise-grade solutions by fine, fine-tuning the accuracy levels on that particular client, was our initial client
2: mm.
1: it was march 2020 okay right so um, and and you know the challenge after that yeah. right so it's not been an easy sailing after that because um, i can tell you that even the client that we onboarded who was giving us revenues in june jan and february march mm. they even stopped the business after march 2020 i think the entire industry was got shut down and we only saw some amount of revenue coming again only in the months of September or October 2020.
2: Right? Okay.
1: So, surviving these six months uh, was also a pain from. Island, how
0: how did you survive? Um, did you have the KL uh, runway?
1: So, we had the runway. So, we built in the runway um, and we were bootstrapped, right? So, okay. um, I mean, we had to. Uh, let go of certain growth plans in terms of hiring and all that. Uh, uh, and, and and that's a good thing as well that happened to us because we've been uh, circumspect in terms of our hiring and in terms of our um, cost, right? Uh, since then, um, hmm. so how how much do we have to spend? How much to uh, so we became very frugal after that. Right? Okay. Um, even in August 2020 onwards, uh, there was an issue that happened in the credit and especially the fintech industry around the Jan 2021 where um, a lot of these Chinese apps started penetrating the market and then uh, RBI and uh, some of the law enforcement agencies also started taking uh, things into their own hands and then started uh, uh, troubling these fintech people. Right? Mm.
2: Um,
1: that also hampered uh, during those months, right? Okay. Then we rode that wave as well, and then we thought, okay, the worst is over now, and then we had the second wave in mm. May, April, right. May, 2021. Correct. Uh, again, uh, fintechs and banks and investors started uh, downgrading their uh, their uh, business, right? Mm. Um, so the the unfortunate part of our business is that we are dependent on their business, right? Okay. Um, but if you see the runway that we had from June, July 2021 till right now, I think mm. that's where we've been able to make a lot of business, right? Um, so we have been having close to 20-25% growth month on month, uh mm. since then, right? Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Uh, So, one sort of a challenge in 2020, 2021, or the first half of 2021, has been to maintain our costs or uh, regulate our costs so that we could survive, Mm. right? Uh, Since the later half of 2021, uh, we had to switch our focus specifically from a survival mode to growth mode, right? Okay. Um, That has also been a challenge. Um, But... During this time, we are actually facing another challenge, right? I mean, which is basically a dearth of uh, technology talent. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, hiring of tech talent has been an issue for us, uh, and we've been uh, trying to address that particular challenge. Uh, and it's a challenge for a for a startup uh, which is bootstrap um, uh, that that doesn't have so much money to pay. But then we also work on those technologies um you know that require people with high uh, skill sets or high uh, payment levels right so that is also a challenge for us to address and and the way we now address that particular challenge uh, is we are actually looking at uh, you know freshers uh who look at these particular technologies and then say hey i want to work in this because we provide them with an opportunity to work in technologies like artificial intelligence, machine learning, NLP, and all of those, right? So uh, they are willing to work with us and, and learn. I mean, yeah, we might lose them say two or three years down the line, but we also give, we yeah, we are actually giving them a chance to look at what they can learn in these technologies because they believe they can make a mark in these technologies going forward.
0: My final question now, in the interest of time, I'm just uh, limiting to one question, one more question. Sure. Tell us, what is the meaning of entrepreneurship for you? How would you define the term entrepreneur?
1: See, an entrepreneur is, uh, it, it, it's, it's not a, just a single word definition or a, or, or a something like that. For you, you need to be realistic. In terms of what an entrepreneurship is, right? So, if I have to be realistic, an entrepreneur is somebody who has a very strong goal that he wants to achieve. And more importantly, uh, he needs to have the perseverance to achieve that, right? Um, If you don't have perseverance and patience, Mm. Uh, patience and perseverance are two different things. In, 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 in the way I see it, right? the perseverance is to be uh, at it, uh, irrespective yeah. of what downturns or what upturns that you may face. Right? Uh, yeah. You even you might have a lot of upturns. You might be able to raise hundred million today, but um, six months down the line you might be uh, throwing those hundred million away
2: in mm, mm. some of
1: that which still panic, Right? Yeah it is a perseverance to achieve that goal in the long term and long term for me is like 10 years down the line hmm. so you need to be you need to have that vision is as to what i would want to do 10 years down the line and you need to have that perseverance to see through those 10 years and not like bubble out in in between right and so okay. that's that's what entrepreneurship is
0: awesome So thanks for your time again. And uh, I would say it was a great pleasure to host you. Uh, My best wishes for digitap.ai. Thanks a lot,
2: Priya, it was a pleasure talking to you.